With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The all-electric Kia EV6 with up to 528 kilometres of range. And Toolmark, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. Great to have you company. Welcome to Sports Day WA, everyone. Peter Vlahos with you. Uh, thanks to Hazen Mardo for a great two hours with the run home. And also Jimmy Williams giving us his NBA preview for the season. Did a great job, Jimmy. Well done. Uh, you can join us anytime on the Tempera Bedshed text machine 0487 736 736 or give us a call 13 12 55. I just said to the boys out there in the production area, Jimmy and Paul Heath. Uh, who is the highest-profile Australian sports person at the moment? That is a person that's living overseas or living in Australia. Who is the highest-profile sports person from Australia at the moment? Because I believe one of them arrived this afternoon or this morning at Perth International Airport, and we're talking about Sam Kerr, who will be leading the Matildas into a three-game series as the Matildas look to qualify for the Olympic Games in Paris in 2024. Very shortly, we'll speak to Steve Allen, the uh, Network 10 uh, sports presenter come reporter who was out there at the airport. He did speak to Sam Kerr, and you'll see his story on uh, 10 News first tonight. He was the only television network out there. Certainly stole a march on the other two commercial networks. Well done, Steve Allen. So we're going to go to him in just a moment. Of course, that's the main story because the Matildas are in town. Uh, The big story for the good oil for Cobram Estate, Premier Australian extra virgin olive oil. And we'll speak to Steve in just a tick. Coming up later on after that, I'll speak to Kim Carroll, former Matilda star who played with the Perth Glory, played with the Brisbane Roar, played over 50 times for the Matildas and only retired in May of this year. That's when she retired. And I'm just wondering what she's thinking about now sitting back and watching the Matildas, what uh, transpired at the FIFA Women's World Cup and the fact that they're now in town. Even though she is from Queensland, she now resides here in Perth. And also she'll tell us about some sporting fields in a hometown that were named after her. So uh, Kim Carroll's going to join us a bit later on. What's wrong with the Wildcats? Well, Mike Ellis, who is a two-time NBL champion and one of the great leaders of the Perth Wildcats during the 90s where they were a very, very successful franchise. He's going to join us for a chat a bit later on. But on the temperate bedshed text machine, who is the highest profile Australian sports person at the moment? Okay, 0487 736 736. Because as I mentioned at the top of the show, one of the contenders rocked into Perth today and a bit of a rock star in her own right. We're talking about Sam Kerr. 
our very own. And uh, the person to greet her was Steve Allen from 10 News First, the sport reporter come presenter, an exclusive on 10 News tonight. He had a chat with Sam Kerr. Steve, thanks for joining us. Wasn't she thrilled to see me, Pete? Oh, I bet you she was. I saw some vision. I saw some vision, you walking with her, you know, microphone in hand. How much did she say to you, uh, Steve Allen, who, congratulations, you're the only person to get her today? Well, look, he gave me a few words. He certainly didn't say nothing, Pete, but she wasn't too talkative. It was about 1am by the time she rolled out of customers, all all of that, her and uh, in good hands with... uh, uh, Tegan Micah and uh, Mackenzie Arnold, a couple of goalkeepers rolling in with her. So a small contingent to join the guys that are already here. And, um, yeah, she. Uh, I, I'm somewhat staggered that, she, you know, I think at 9.30 uh, Sunday evening our time was watching Chelsea play in yeah. London. And uh, last night she said, you know, can she play Thursday night? I'm somewhat surprised that you can get up for matches of that quality. Um, But, you know, as Sam told us last night, you know, they're kind of used to it now. The the Matildas that know they've got to make hay while the sun shines and they're up for it. So, look, I I mean, I'd be well prepared to forgive Sam, if it was just a, you know, a token appearance in the first game and maybe, you know, hold her back for the big one at Optus Stadium. But you get the feeling that she's ready to go. And she's so excited about being back home. That's sort of come through. She hasn't been home for a long, long time, as you mentioned, Steve. She's been playing in the Women's uh, Super League there or the Women's uh, English Premier League uh, with Chelsea. We know a lot of other Australian Matildas now play in England and abroad, and they've all come together, and they're playing and they're training at the State Football Centre. This is going to be a mammoth week, isn't it, really, with over 100,000 people converging at HBF Park on Thursday night, here at Optus on Sunday, and, of course, next Wednesday again back at HBF Park. It's going to be a big week. Yeah, keen to see their pulling power. I mean, they're the darlings of Australian sport. It's sort of, they're up there on the level of, you know, probably the the Aussie men's cricketers of the late 90s, Pete, in terms of their popularity, aren't they? And and you talk about your talk topic there, who is the most high-profile Western Australian. We don't go out at the airport at 1am for uh, (laughs) many, so Sam Kerr would have to be right up there. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully we can pack the joint out and uh, prove that we, we need more matches of this quality in Western Australia. Yeah, you did well, Steve, uh, to go there at one o'clock in my early TV days. Even I used to do stuff like that. It's just part of the uh, the parcel of being a, a sport reporter. But you've got an exclusive tonight and no doubt you've got a full preview to the first big match on Thursday. But they've got a, a session again tomorrow, haven't they? Yeah, they do. And um, and by the way, another little uh, extra bit tonight as well with uh, Ellie Carpenter and her catch-up with uh, Ashley Nelson that you'll be able to uh, catch after six o'clock. Um, another, yeah, good. and tomorrow's session looms as an important one. I think we're expecting another wave of Matildas to join them tomorrow about uh, 10. You know, obviously... It was a pretty short turnaround for a lot of the European-based ones to try get here for today. So, yeah, we talk about that short turnaround for 
Sam, uh, less than four days really, um, and and it'll be even shorter for uh, more you know, difficult for a lot of her European-based mm. teammates who aren't even here yet, so they'll get in tonight. So, um, yeah, they'll barely get, what, uh, two proper training sessions uh, or just really roll the legs over yeah. before they uh, get ready for an, what is an important game. And yeah, exactly. Qualify. Exactly. And uh, certainly Tony, Tony Gustafsson will be rotating the, the squad uh, during the course of the three games. So your story goes to air on uh, 10 News First tonight. What time will it be airing, uh, Steve, so we can all have a oh, bit of a look? I think it might be a chance to lead the sports break, Pete. So, uh, yeah, tune in, catch Lockie Reid. He'll introduce it at about uh, 5.43. Good stuff. 5.43. Put it on Channel 10, Jimmy. We've got to see this story. Well done, Steve, uh, in getting the exclusive. And you've done well, mate. And enjoy the three games. Network 10, of course, partners uh, when it comes to the Matildas and and uh, the Socceroos and the A-League. And, of course, uh, the, the A-League uh, men's competition got underway last weekend. Thanks for joining us. Steve, well done. I've learnt from some good ones, Peter V. <laughs> good on you, Steve. Thanks for your time. For Cobram Estate, that's a big story. Sam Kerr is in town. Uh, Australia's most awarded extra virgin olive oil, grown, harvested and first cold pressed in northern Victoria. A couple of the big names. Alex says, Peter, Australia's biggest sports star would have to be Cam Smith, the golfer who pocketed $140 million signing on fee to be part of the Live Tour, uh, one that Greg Norman secured as the CEO of Live. Greg Norman, he got Cam Smith, just paid him a lazy $140 million to come on board. Uh, Peter, uh, I would say now, Ange Postacoglu is Australia's biggest sporting overseas star. That's from James from the Liverpool Football Club and the Perth Glory Football Club fan. Good on you, James. He reckons Ange is certainly going up. It's interesting, actually, uh, when you listen to a lot of the sports news this morning on electronic media, people are covering now Tottenham matches in the sports news, uh, where before you wouldn't have got that. But the fact that Ange is there and the fact that they're top of the EPL after only nine matches, they've won seven and drawn two, they've yet to lose a game, all of a sudden it's becoming, every time Spurs play, you'll hear it in the media news, which is quite interesting. All right, for Polaris, Australia's number one selling side-by-side brand. Just a couple of uh, bits of sport. Australia has taken load management for players to new extremes, would you believe? Resting test opener, Usman Kawaja, for a second straight Sheffield Shield game for Queensland. Now, he was ordered to sit and watch his team take on Tasmania at Bell Reeve Oval in Hobart. He's played, Heater, just four domestic innings in one Shield match and three one-day games for the Bulls, one of which was abandoned since the Ashes ended nearly 90 days ago. But in explaining the decision, Queensland Cricket... Uh, said it was part of Cricket Australia's proactive management plan for national squad players ahead of an intense international schedule at home in the first half of 2024. He's hardly played any cricket and they're managing him. Just crazy. And speaking of cricket, well done Afghanistan. They've won their second match, their best performance ever at a World Cup. They've pulled off a second giant-killing act at the World Cup with a memorable eight-wicket victory against 1992 champion Pakistan. And this is how it all came to a climax. Uh, Afghanistan beating Pakistan in the World Cup match overnight. And there it is, the victory 
momentous, historic. The first time Afghanistan have won two matches in a World Cup. Absolutely fantastic. A controlled and skillful and dominant run chase against former champions Pakistan. At the start of the tournament, I said that we want to make this tournament historic for our country people. Mm. So first was England, today Pakistan, and looking forward for the other games, inshallah. We will try our best to play positive cricket and um, uh, do a lot for our country. Yes, that's uh, Hashmatullah Shahidi, the captain of the Afghanistan team, after what was a huge victory for them. Congratulations to Afghanistan winning over Pakistan last night. Uh, that update for Polaris Play. Clearance deals are on now. Save $2,000 on the Ranger 1,000 EPS, plus get $1,000 free accessories. Really looking forward to having a chat to this next special guest here on Sports Day WA, wherever you may be listening around the state. Uh, I'm going to speak to Kim Carroll, former Matilda star, just an outstanding defender, played 54 times for the Matildas uh, and just retired just a few months ago. But she's got a great story to tell and we'll share that story with you when she joins us after the break here on Sports Day WI. The all-electric Kia EV6 with up to 528 kilometres of range. And Toolmark, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. Well, as we know, the Matildas are in town. I'm really excited about our next chat because this lady has achieved so much in her football career. Would you believe she's got a sports ground named after her in her birthplace in Queensland? She's played for the Perth Glory and only in March of this year did she decide to retire from football after appearing 54 times for the Matildas and having a great career in the A-League women's competition. As I said, she played for the glory with distinction. And Alexa Parkas, who was a coach when she announced her retirement, said that Kim has been a long-serving asset to the women's game and to the wider context of Australian football. And also Anthony Radich, the CEO of the Perth Glory, says that Kim's place as one of Perth Glory's greats is well and truly deserved. Huge accolades from her Coach Alex Aparkas and, of course, the Perth Glory CEO in Anthony Radich. And it gives me my great pleasure to have Kim on the program. Kim, thanks for your time. Thanks, Peter. Thanks for having me. How are you handling retirement? Oh, it's not been too bad. I just moved straight back into my full-time job that I was juggling at the same time as playing. So uh, that one's keeping me busy enough. How difficult was that? Because, as we know, the landscape possibly for women's football has changed for the better in recent times. But what was it like trying to juggle your passion for football and, of course, trying to earn an honest living. Yeah, look, it's something that um, over the years got got more difficult to do. Obviously, our sport's growing and um, rightly so and um, the demands for that obviously increased. But I've uh, had a great boss over the last seven-plus years that's been um, really accommodating and flexible with me and allowing me to, to juggle both. Um, so I've been one of the lucky ones and been able to do that. In your career, as we know, you originated from a place called Tully in Queensland, and I believe in Tully 
if you go there, there is the Kim Carroll Sporting Fields. Is that correct? Yeah, that is correct. So my little local uh, soccer club and also cricket uh, ground is uh, named after me. And, um, you know, uh, it's a great little connection to home still. Mum and Dad are still up there. And, um, yeah, I was lucky enough to, to have that named after me and, and a little bit of help from um, actually one of my very first coaches in football. Fantastic. Uh, well, there you go, uh, Kim. And you mentioned uh, a real close connection with Tully in Queensland, a real close connection also with the Brisbane Roar because you had, a, I think, about two or three stints there and a couple at the Perth Glory, yet you've decided to remain in Perth. Uh, reasons for that? It's a beautiful place. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Um, I moved over, well, I guess a little backstory. I moved over uh, eight years ago now. It was meant to be for one season. Um, and I decided to stay after that season and kind of made Perth my home. I love it here. Um, beautiful city, and um, I've made some really good friends, and my partner's here now, so um, this has become home. Fantastic, uh, and it's great having you here in, in Perth. Could I ask you about your career with the Matildas? Uh, as I mentioned, you just retired from football in March of this year, so it was only a few months ago. Uh, we had the FIFA Women's World Cup where you just gobsmacked the interest in this country or did you see it coming? Uh, I don't know if I saw it coming as big as it was, um, but certainly I I love that it was. Um, Myself got even hooked and I was back and forth between Perth and Sydney and Brisbane and um, lots of flights in a short period of time chasing games, but um, it was great to see um, finally the Matildas getting some recognition that probably we've deserved and a lot of past plays even before me have, you know, been working towards. So um, I love that now Matildas are well-known stars and um, and they've got that following. So hopefully it continues and, and, and it can trickle down into the, to the A-League as well. But tell us about your journey because you got your first cap at senior level. You played in the under-20s for Australia, but you get your first senior cap for the Matildas in 2005. And basically you were part of the Matildas for a long period just before your retirement. Did it grow during your time from what was seemingly a real part-time commitment to where it was just before you retired? Yes, it certainly did. Um, I was lucky enough to, to have some really good senior players that um, really started to drive that that motion into getting us to professional and, and payments and, and conditions that we're looking after players. So um, I sort of grew up in that era where um, we were making those changes. And um, if I take you back to, to some of my first camps as a Matilda, um, you know, we were only getting paid for international games overseas. Um, we were still doing our washing ourselves or paying for our own internet at hotels. Um so there's just been a lot of a lot of change and in the right direction for um, allowing players to to commit full time to to actually playing and being athletes and and being the best versions of themselves. As we know, a lot of now the Matildas players do play abroad. You spent a season in Denmark. Uh, are you surprised that so many players are now playing their craft in in major leagues ab- abroad? No, I think, you know, as an athlete, you've got to push yourself and challenge yourself. And whether that's, 
you know, in a different league, in a, in a different country or, or just living abroad in general as, uh, to grow yourself as a person. Um, I think it's always going to happen. Um, people move for, for better jobs all the time or, or different jobs to challenge themselves. So um, players need to experience that and, and whether that works out for them or not um, is obviously an individual case. But, um, you know, we can already see this year with the W um, with the A-League that, you know, we're getting players back um, and supporting the A-League clubs. And um, I think that will continue to happen. I'll tell you what, Kim, uh, I do uh, a bit of work for the Perth Glory. I MC their chairman's functions and it was the double header last Sunday. So I had the opportunity mm-hmm. to sit down as a spectator and view the A-League women's match between the Glory and the Newcastle Jets. And I must confess, I was totally blown away by the skill level and the type of football that was played. It was on the edge of your seat stuff, and the skill factor was so high. It was a really good game to watch. It probably doesn't surprise you that there are a lot of talented individuals playing football in the A-League women's competition here in Australia. Nah, it doesn't surprise me. Obviously, I've only just hung up the boots and played with a lot of the girls that are still on the team this year. So um, I've been in contact and, you know, they're feeling really good, the girls. And, and you know, there's um, a, a lot to look forward to this season, I think. You know, two rounds in and, and a longer season this year. So four home and away. Um, so I'm looking forward to them, you know, top of the table at the moment, two rounds in. But it'll be good to see them stay up there and, and um, hopefully beat our past couple of years where we've just been pushed out of the top four. Alan Stadjic was the coach of the Matildas when they got to number four in the world, the highest ranking they've had in the world, and that would have been during your playing days. Uh, It must have been a heck of a squad when you're involved uh, with Alan taking the Australian team to number four in the world. Yeah, you have got the likes of a lot of players that are are still in there. They've just grown up a little bit and they've matured, so... Um, you know, we still had that, that group, core group of players that, that are probably still all in the squad now. You know, Sam, Caitlin, um, Emily Van Egmond. So um, it was an exciting um, team, to be, uh, team to be around. What were your emotions like uh, in the latter stages of the FIFA Women's World Cup? Uh, as we know, we got to the semi-final stage for the first time. What were you like watching, of course, the penalty shootout and... Courtney Vine getting uh, and hitting the the winning penalty, and of course, then going to that semi final against England. Uh, what were you like, knowing you'd been there and in some ways done that? Yeah, it's, it's still quite stressful. I think it might be more stressful being a spectator where you can't kick the ball yourself. But um, you know, it was really nerve wracking, stressful, but it's also very exciting. And um, I'm glad the girls were able to to get as far as they did. Unfortunately, not all the way where where we'd all like them to be. But, um, you know, I don't think they disappointed um, the country. You're an outstanding defender in your career with Brisbane, with Perth, and, of course, with the Matildas. Uh, what do you expect in these three games coming up? Uh, 60,000, a sellout at Optus, a sellout for the other two games at HBF Park. Over 100,000 people will view the three games uh, as the... And Matilda's prepare for Olympic qualification. What do you think we'll see over the next week or so? Well, I think it's um, hopefully starts a, a bit of a movement here in Perth and, and gets that following. But certainly for the Matildas, I think it'll be um, good three games to get them together again after a, a massive tournament, which is obviously, you know, you come down a little bit from a 
from such a high of a World Cup. So it'll be good to get them back together and, and three games that are obviously important key games for them. And um, I think there'll be some exciting football being played over these three games. It'll be tough because, um, you know, the teams are, are maybe lower ranked, but um, certainly it allows for them to use their creativity and, and create some goals. And um, I think the fans will really get behind it. A couple of final questions before I let you go. Uh, we were very excited, no doubt, Sam Kerr. Uh, Sam Kerr now is very much at the top of her career playing with Chelsea. I think she's roughly 30 years of age. Ten years to her junior is Mary Fowler, who scintillated uh, many an audience uh, at that FIFA Women's World Cup. Can you give us your thoughts on what sort of career Mary could have over the next, say, decade? Well, Mary's another far north Queensland girl, so um, <laughs> I think yeah, we grow them well. No, um, look, I think Mary's got great talent. Um, she's sort of been identified young, but I think um, certainly in this World Cup, uh, just past, she, she's shown her ability and, and she can hold her own. And I think she's a really exciting player. Um, she's got great technique and, and you can see that by the way she finishes goals. So um, I think she's only at the beginning of a, of a long, fabulous career. Will you reconnect with any of your former teammates while they're in town? Yeah, I've reached out to a couple. So um, hopefully I can squeeze them in in between there busy schedule and um, and my work schedule. So, um, But if not, I'll definitely be at all three games and, and show my support. Well done, Kim. You're an outstanding player, outstanding individual. As I said, uh, the raptures from your final coach being Alex Aparkas and the Perth Glory CEO just test, puts testimony to the contribution that you've made to club and country. Thanks for your time today. And hopefully we'll see you either at Optus or at HBF Park and what promises to be an exciting week in a bit here in Perth. Excellent. Thanks for having me, Peter. Kim Carroll joining us here on Sports Day WA for the Kia EV6 GT, the World Performance Car of the Year, and Toolmart, the Complete Tool Centre, serving WA for over 45 years. She was a heck of a player. All right, we're going to take a break, come back with more on the other side of the break. Don't go away. You can join us on the Tempera Bedshed text machine, 0487 736 736. Are you going to the games this weekend? As we know, it starts Thursday night, the big game here at Optus Stadium on Sunday, and, of course, uh, the other game played at HBF Park early next week. Are you going? What are you looking forward to seeing Temper bedshed text machine 0487 736 736. Back with more of Sports Day after the break. The all-electric Kia EV6 with up to 528 kilometres of range. And Toolmark, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. Yes, great to have a chat to Kim Carroll and uh, we wish her the best of luck uh, going forward and no doubt she'll catch up with a few of her Matilda teammates uh, over the next few days. All right, Beaumont Tiles is giving away a trip for two to American football's biggest game worth over $70,000. Just shop in store at Beaumont's before November 12. It's fast approaching, isn't it? And you're in with a chance to win TNC's do apply. Now, to save time and water, Irrigir is here with a sports news uh, update. And Andrew McDonald, the coach of the Australian cricket team, uh, has spoken on the arrival of Travis Head. This is what he said on Sports Day, New South Wales. 
we had a hit with him a couple of days ago on a travel day when we got to Delhi. He had uh, 30 minutes of work and across the 30 minutes, he really improved and was able to function uh, the way that we know he can. So today's a really big day. We've got training in about, I think it's about four hours time and uh, he'll face bowlers and go through that. And most importantly, once he, he gets through the session with some fielding and some, some other sort of um, skill areas that we'd like to see. It's it's how he pulls up tomorrow, but it's it's been an incredible effort to get here. Some some doubted, you know, that that was a a good decision to keep him in the squad. Now that he's here, it feels right, and it's really going to add something when he does play for the team. We've seen what he's been able to do over the last um, 12 to 18 months. He wouldn't play in the middle order. Uh, I think he's he's a top order player, so he about in the the top three would be ideally where we'd want him to play. He has batted middle order. I think it was in Sri Lanka, and he did really well. He got 70 odd, I think, batting at number six uh, in a game over there at Premadasa, uh, but he hasn't done that a lot. We, we see him as a top order player and, you know, I think we've shown our cards in the lead into this tournament where we'd like him to bat. Um, I think George Bailey hinted that, you know, he'd be at the top of the order. We've got a, a little bit of a good, you know, dilemma to, to solve in the fact that Mitch Marsh and David Warner um, in that last game and, and over the short period of time have been able to gel as an opening combination as well. So I think it's a good problem to have and we'll, we'll discuss, but it will definitely be nearer the top of the order rather than the middle. Yeah, Travis Head will open with Warner and Mitch Marshall bat at three. Uh, Rob Craddock is a very respected journo, and this is an interesting little comment that he makes on where this World Cup of cricket actually sits. To me, this tournament was always about six top teams for four semi-final positions. I know there's ten teams in it, and they all play nine games, but, but of those six teams, England are last and Pakistan are really troubling. Uh, struggling. So Australia is sitting fourth all of a sudden and haven't played that well. Mitchell Stark is just going so-so below his best. They're struggling to take early wickets in three or four games. Teams will be making 100 against them early. And uh, also, you know, the batsman, Steve Smith, hasn't hit form at all. So, you know, you don't want to peak too early. And if you said, is there a worry about India... It's only that I can see them storming through the competition unbeaten and then getting to a final, which is suddenly even money. So psychologically, that can be hard to adjust to. India, the roaring favourites, but so white hot that you're... you'd almost fancy your chances of sneaking up behind <laughs> them if you, if you make the final. And as we know, last night, uh, Tottenham Hotspur defeated Fulham by two goals to nil to stay top of the English Premier League after nine matches. Seven wins, two draws. Only them and Arsenal remain unbeaten. And this is what Ange Postacoglu, the Aussie, said on the mindset at Spurs at the moment. Yeah, it was it was a good result. Uh, obviously, um, you know, Fulham are you know, a well-organised team and, and tough to break down. I thought um, first half, you know, we showed the patience we needed to. Uh, you know, we we you know we created some good openings. Probably could have had one or two more goals to sort of put the game to bed. And uh, you know, our pressing. I think our pressing in, in the whole game was was outstanding. Just our work rate. Um, I think that's what won us the game. But second half we weren't great. We we were really wasteful with the ball. We we gave it away a lot. You know, for us, we, we've been really consistent this year. And I think that sort of second 45 was probably uh, as poor as we've been. You don't let sort of the results mask you know what happened out there and um, as I said second half we allowed you know Fulham you know to get into the game um, you know Vic you know, in goal was outstanding to keep the clean sheet at the end but we should never have been in that position and I, I just thought we got real like I said really wasteful with the ball we took some liberties with our touches and our movement and you know that's that's this game of football you know it'll, it'll bring you back down pretty quickly. 
That update for Irrigear, which offers expert advice and better irrigation solutions to save time and water. Irrigear is here. And Lisa from Ellenbrook on the temperate bedshed text machine. Hi, Pete. A bit bleary-eyed today, but was worth watching Afghanistan roll Pakistan for the first time in an ODI. Their fans were up and about. So good to see the excitement and smiles on the kids' faces. So true, so true, Lisa. Thanks for joining us on the SMS. We'll take a break. Mike Ellis talks Wildcats next. The all-electric Kia EV6 with up to 528 kilometres of range. And Toolmark, the complete tool centre, serving WA for over 40 years. This is Sports Day. Welcome back to Sports Day WA. You're with Peter Vlahos here on this Tuesday, all thanks to the Kia EV6 GT, the World Performance Car of the Year. And, of course, Toolmart, our friends, the Complete Tool Centre. They've been serving WA for over 45 years. Uh, And don't forget, you can join the Red Army this NBL season by becoming a Perth Wildcats member today. They need your support after they're going through a bit of a tough trot at the moment. Of course, their next assignment against the uh, Brisbane Bullets at RAC Arena on Friday night. Joining me to have a bit of a look at where it all sits after the first sort of six games of the season, they're sitting at two and four of the Wildcats, is a man that knows success uh, at the Wildcats, two-time NBL champion, one of the great leaders of the Perth Wildcats, of course, a captain for many seasons. We're talking about Mike Ellis. Mike, thanks for your time. Pleasure, Peter. Hasn't been the best start to the season for your former club, has it? No, not ideal at all. I think if you had have asked them at the start of the season where they thought they'd be after six games, I reckon they'd be pretty confident in saying they'd be at least four and two, hopefully five and one. So uh, two and four is certainly not where they want to be. Yeah. Why has it gone wrong so early, just generally? Because uh, no doubt you watch every match. Where has it gotten wrong early on for the Wildcats? Yeah, look, I think it's a number of things, Peter. Look, obviously a new team, if you think about it, there's about seven new players in this group, you know, so it's quite a different group to what they've had. So, you know, you can't pull on or draw on last year's synergy or anything like that. So they're they're building this new feel amongst themselves, uh, trying to work out who fits in what spot, you know. And I think right now they've got a couple of square pegs in round holes. They've got to sort that out. Um, so they're not playing together as a group right now. So that's the biggest thing for me. Um, I think, look, with what they've got, the talent they've got, they should should certainly be better than two and four, no question about that. But I think they've got the ability to get back up to where they need, but there's a lot of work that's got to go ahead of it. And right now, it's at both ends of the floor. It's not just one thing, Peter. It's, it's actually quite a number of things. And there's no point in panicking because it's still early days, isn't it, Mike? Uh, there's still plenty of time to get it right. Oh, look, it's a long season. You know, you're talking, you know, they've still got plenty of games left. But what they can't do, Peter, is they can't let it slide too much further. They need to really put the brakes on. If they don't put the brakes on shortly, then it will get away from them. And we found that last year, if you look at Melbourne United, they they got off to a very poor start. They didn't really, you know, put the brakes on until halfway through the season. And by that stage, it had just got away from them. So, you know, the, the Wildcats are in fear of that. I don't think they're there yet but they certainly need to start getting a couple of wins on the board. We haven't seen it very often, but there was a sense of frustration with their star performer, Bryce Cotton, on the court early in that loss against the Adelaide 36ers in Adelaide. Uh, He seems like a bit of a frustrated individual at the moment. Do you sense that? 
Yeah, definitely. And and look, Bryce is just such a phenomenal player that, you know, if you're talking about a scout, so if I'm coaching uh, Adelaide, for example, my scout is, all right, the first three guys we've got to stop is Bryce Cotton. And and that's what they'll do. They'll put all their uh, their energy into stopping Bryce and making other people beat you. Now, right now, no one else in the team is beating them. And that's that's the problem that they've got. They need some other guys to step up and put some scoring on. You know, guys like Usher that, you know, in the first game was phenomenal. Um, he hasn't shown that form again since then. So he needs to find some form. But also, in my view, I think they really need to run a few more sets to get Bryce free because what will happen is Bryce is such a great player that if he gets the ball and someone else is open because he's being double teamed, he will find that person and he will get them that score. He's not someone that's just going to throw up a shot because he hasn't had a shot for for a while. He's not that type of player. So I think if they run some plays for Bryce, if nothing else, he'll work as a perfect decoy. And it's what they do with the counters. So when that play isn't working, what do they do to cover the next play? So who's the next person open and find those people? And I, I think that's where they're falling down right now. It's those counters and not running anything for Bryce. And when they're not running anything from him, he's not actually drawing more defense and opening other people up. You mentioned Jordan Usher in that uh, little answer uh, just a few moments ago. Where does he fit in the scheme of things, do you think, for the Wildcats? Look, he should be one of their, you know, the second or third scorer in that group. He has that ability. Um, There's two parts to Jordan's game that I think he, he really needs to pick up, right? And the first one is his shot selection. So he is a very good shooter, but I think he takes some a few ill-advised shots at times. So he needs to have better shot selection. And and quite frankly, a lot of times they're not running anything, so the ball ends up you know, not in Bryce's hands because they're doing such a good job of denying him the ball. So it ends up in Jordan's, and he's got to take uh, a not a great shot down with the shot clock running out. So you know, if he can get away from that, get some decent shots, that'll help his confidence. You know, For me, get to the basket, get to the rim, get some foul shots. You start to see the ball go through the hole, you feel better. The second part of that is he came out here talking up a lot of noise about how he's going to be the best defensive player in the league. That's what he's going for. Well, he's a long way from that right now, and that's an area where he really needs to pick up. So if you're going to talk the talk, mate, you know the, you know the saying, <laughs> you've got to be able to walk the walk. And right now, he's not walking the walk. So I think, but he's not rowing the boat alone there either. To me, the biggest hole for the Wildcats is their defence and their rebounding, and they've really got to fix that. Yeah. What about the uh, the Frenchman, uh, Alex Saar? Are they getting the most out of him? After all, he was touted as an NBA prospect. Yeah, he is. But people have got to remember, and this is this is hard for most people to fathom, Peter, the kid is 18 years old, you know, and, and a lot of people are putting a huge amount of pressure on him as an 18-year-old. and. You know, you think back to when you were 18, and I know for me it was a hell of a long time ago. Mm. Um, You know, to take that sort of pressure is pretty tough, you know. That said, I think he can help them a hell of a lot more than what he's doing, and I think he should be playing a few more minutes And because he he makes such a difference defensively. He changes the way oppositions play. He doesn't always block the shot, but just his presence in there makes them change their shot, kick the ball out, look for another alternative. So... I think defensively he can be a really big help. And offensively, get him down in the block occasionally, flash into the block, throw him the ball. Mate, he's seven foot one with a seven six wingspan. Who's going to block that shot? Yeah. You know, go in there and finish that. So 
I think they could utilise him a lot more for sure. So saying that, uh, as I said, still early days, but John really, the coach, must be feeling just a little bit of heat. Oh, look, there's no question. Any coach who's lost, you know, where they are. And, of course, don't forget, Peter, the expectations of the Wildcats is probably higher than most teams. So, you know, there's always that pressure in itself without anything else. So John will definitely be feeling the pressure, and rightly so. And I'm I'm sure he will admit himself he hasn't got the team playing the way they need to play. You know, um, he understands that, and he's got to make some changes to, to fix that. Um, and, you know, there, there is pressure on him, no question about it. But it's amazing what a couple of wins will do for you. You know, suddenly you're, uh, you're getting bagged left, right and centre. You get a couple of wins and all of a sudden you're the best thing since sliced bread. So, you know, it can change quickly, but there's a lot of work between now and getting those couple of wins. And the first one needs to come on Friday night against the Brisbane Bullets, who are undermanned. This needs to be a victory for the Wildcats. Oh, this is, this is a must win. And, and it's... Tough to say, you know, six six games into the season that it's a must win, but it is a must win. It's at home. They can't afford to drop a game at home. Uh, so, the, you know, the Red Army needs to get down there and support them, but it's up to them to really get this win. And, and like you said, an undermanned Brisbane, who are still very, very talented. So the Wildcats can't take them easy. I think they went to Adelaide expecting to just win that game because where Adelaide sit, which was on the bottom. Um, but as you saw from the game, they just didn't show up and didn't play to the level they did. And this league is too tough. doesn't matter whether you're playing the bottom team or the top team. If you don't show up to play, you will lose. It's as simple as that. And if the Cats don't show up on Friday, Peter, they will lose. So they need to come ready to play. And as we let you go, I know the NBA gets underway tomorrow, brand new season. You're a big NBA watcher, Mike? Yeah, a little bit. Not a not a massive amount. I, I do like the NBA, but I, I prefer the college style of play because it's more like the NBL. Um, I definitely, you know, get involved when it comes to playoffs because I think they just lift their game to a whole nother level and some of the athleticism of these guys and, and what they can do on the basketball court is nothing short of spectacular. So um, I tend to watch it a little bit more closer to the playoffs. So the first half of a season is basically them sorting out who's playing in what position and, you know, getting used to what they're doing. So I'll, I'll tend to watch it a bit towards the end. Good on you, Mike. Uh, always great to catch up with you, mate. Thanks for your time. Much appreciated. My pleasure, Peter. Have a good one. Mike Ellis uh, was a great player and he speaks so well, uh, keeping a, still a very close eye on the Perth Wildcats. And that's his uh, prognosis on where they are at the moment, head of a very important game at RAC Arena on Friday night against the Bullets. And now here on Sports Day WA, let's look at the Leg Up, which is Australia's fastest growing tipping service. Tomorrow we're looking at Ranwick, race six, number four, Waikiki. We'll probably start around about the $5.50 mark. She was well supported first up when badly held up in the straight with plenty to offer. That was a complete excuse run and she did beat Eagle Nest and Barracue Road, second up last campaign, which is good form for this. Now, based on the last start SP in a forgive run, she looks good odds. So get a leg up on the bookies with Australia's fastest-growing tipping service, thelegup.com.au. Thanks for joining the program today. Thanks for the help from Jimmy and also Paul Heath, Heater who panelled the program. I'll be back again tomorrow from 5 o'clock. All thanks to the Kia EV6 GT, the World Performance Car of the Year, and also Toolmart, the complete tool centre serving WA for over 45 years. Have a great uh, Tuesday night. See you tomorrow.